1 Samuel chapter 30 this morning is where we're going to be at. Let me just ask you this question as we begin. Have you ever had a bad day before? I, I've talked to several people about this year, and there's several people that said this is a, this is a bad year. Um, I heard someone say, uh, we're, we're about 90, when it was about 90 days into 2020, they said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm on the end of my 90-day subscription. How do I cancel it <laughs> for 2020? Uh, that's that's kind of how this year has gone in a lot of respects for many of us. But have you ever just had a bad day before? Well, if you think you're having a bad time, let me tell you this story to give you some perspective. Whenever you think you're having a bad day, just always remember it could be worse. This is a true story. Fire authorities in California, they found a corpse in a burned-out section of forest while they were assessing the damage of a, of a recent forest fire. And the deceased male was dressed in a full wetsuit, complete with a scuba tank, flippers, and a face mask. Again, he's in the middle of a forest fire with all of these things. The post-mortem test that they did on the man revealed that the man did not die from burns, but he died from massive internal injuries. The dental record confirmed who the man was, and then when they did some investigating about the man, they found out that at the same time that this forest fire was taking place, this man got up one day, he got his scuba gear, he went down about 20 miles from where they found his body in that forest fire. And that guy had gone down and and was scuba diving off the shore and just having a great time with it. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know that while this forest fire was taking place, uh, the firefighters, in an effort to try to get the forest fire killed, they took helicopters with big buckets and they went and dipped those buckets in the ocean. And you guessed it, they dipped it in the ocean. And one, one minute, this guy's just having a high time scuba diving in the ocean. And the next minute, he's scooped up in a bucket 300 feet in the air. And they poured him out right into that fire, and that's where they found him. I'm going to tell you something. If you think you're having a bad day, just think of that guy right there. That is not a good day. Uh, It's a bad day in somebody's life. And, you know, all of us have moments in our life that we would consider to be difficult times. And, you know, the truth is, for every one of us here, I think that all of us, to some degree, are, are experiencing a little bit of a tough time with all the things that are going on in our lives right now. But have you ever gotten to such a point in your life where you just feel like the whole world is against you? I mean, anything bad that could happen is happening. Just the whole world seems to be against you. Let me say, what you do when you get to that type of place is going to determine what the quality and direction of your life is going to be like from henceforward. See, the Bible doesn't say that we as the people of God will never fall. The Bible says the just man falls seven times and rises up again. The Bible doesn't say that we're not going to have times of trouble and tribulation in this life, but thankfully the Lord does give us an answer for how we can respond when difficulties do come. Even when it feels like the whole world is against us, God gives us a way to make it through those types of moments in our lives. And so I want to preach to you a message this morning that I've simply entitled, How to Pick Yourself Up When the Whole World puts you down. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, where you're in your Bibles at this morning, we discover an account from the life of David. Now, David, along with his 600 mighty men, as they're called in the Scripture, was on his way home to his home in Ziklag. Now, they had just come from a great battle um, where they actually went to go help the Philistine army, out of all things. And they, came, they were sent home from that, and when they got back home, they, they came back to this place where they lived at, and that place where they were living at that point was called Ziklag. 
Now, Ziklag is an interesting place in the Scripture. The name Ziklag, it comes from a Hebrew verb, meaning to press someone or something to reveal what is inside. It talks about this pressure that's being applied. That's what Ziklag, the name Ziklag, literally means. And let me say that Ziklag is a place that God will bring all of us to eventually in our lives. A place where He begins to apply or allow pressure to be applied in our lives to show or reveal to us who it is we're actually depending on in our lives. I believe God uses moments like coming home to Ziklag to teach us to truly depend on Him and to stop depending on all the things we used to be depending on. I'll tell you what, with all these things that have been happening in our country right now, God has removed a lot of the things people thought they could depend on. He's teaching us again through all of this to trust in Him. And so David and his 600 mighty men, they arrived back home to Ziklag. But when they arrived in Ziklag, they were horrified at what they found. I want you to look at your Bible. Verse number 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you're there, say amen. Amen. The Bible says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that uh, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. You understand what's happening here in the Scripture? When David and his band of men arrived home here, all their families had been captured. They didn't know if they were alive or dead. Not only that, but all their homes had been burned to the ground. All their earthly possessions had either been destroyed or stolen away from them. And these men, in a very literal sense, were left with nothing but the clothes on their backs. And that wasn't much to speak of right there. And in this moment, as we just read in the Scripture, these 600 hurting men, guess who they turned to? To David. They pointed their finger at David and said, This is your fault. You understand David was the one who gathered all these 600 men to, men to follow him. The reason why they lived in Ziklag is because David led them to go set up their camp in Ziklag. It was, it was because of David that they found themselves in this position. And it was David, furthermore, who had led them to try to go help the Philistine army with their war and leave their families behind, left open to this attack. And these 600 men turned to David and they said, David, this is your fault. If we hadn't followed you, then our families would still be here. We wouldn't be in this desperate situation. And so think about what David's going through at this moment. He has his enemies from without, but his own men are now turning against him and beginning to point a finger of blame at him. The Bible says at the beginning of verse number 6 that David was greatly distressed. And I think that's an understatement of of what was actually going on in his, in his heart and mind right there. His own nation had turned their backs on him. His own king was trying to hunt him down and kill him. Now his enemies had captured his family and, and pillaged his home. And his closest companions in life were now blaming him for their troubles and were talking about killing him, about stoning him with stone. He literally had no one else to turn to. He had no other options to turn to in this moment. And so here's the question. How did he respond? 
seemed like the whole world was crashing in on him. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. How did he respond? And how should we respond when we come to these types of junctures in life? I believe as we look at the account of David's life here, we learn some lessons about how the Lord tells us we can pick ourselves up when the whole world tries to put us down. And I want you to see three ways I believe the Bible instructs us here in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that this can be so. Number one, if you're taking notes this morning, number one, the first way you can pick yourself up when the whole world seems to want to put you down, number one, encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Now, the Bible tells us that in this moment of great despair that David was going through, and it, when it seemed like the whole world was crashing in on him, the Bible tells us how David responded at the end of verse number 6. Say amen if you're there with me. In the verse 6 it says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now can we read that out loud together? You read it at home and let's read it out loud together in here. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now that word encouraged, it comes from a Hebrew word that literally talks about strengthening or becoming strong. And the Bible tells us that when despair had overwhelmed all the others, to the point where I believe it was uh, uh, verse number 6, the Bible tells us that, that they had no more strength to cry. And in the place where everybody else was so, so greatly at a point of despair and overwhelmed with all the circumstances that were going on, the Bible says that David found strength. But there's no secret where David found strength from. The Bible makes it very clear how David strengthened himself, how he encouraged himself. I found strength in this time. It wasn't in himself because all he had in himself was despair and grief and he, couldn't, he didn't know what was going to happen. But the Bible says that David encouraged himself in who? The Lord his God. The Lord is God. There's no secret where he found his encouragement. You see, David found strength in the midst of his sorrow in the Lord. The Bible says here that David found encouragement in the midst of his discouragement in the Lord. David found hope in the midst of the horror of the situation that was going on, and he found it in the Lord. And the Bible tells us some wonderful things here about how even when we feel like the whole world is crashing in on us, we can still find strength, not in ourselves, not in our situation, but in the Lord. And we see it demonstrated very well for us on the pages of Scripture here in the life of David. And so how can we, like David then, find such strength in the Lord? even when it seems like the, the whole world is against us. Well, there's several ways we find that the Bible tells us David encouraged himself in the Lord. The same ways you and I need to do so today. Notice this first one. Encourage yourself in the person of God. Encourage yourself in the person of God. Verse number 6, the Bible says again at the end of the verse that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Hey, when the weight of the world was placed on David's shoulders here, everybody was looking to him to blame him and to put him at fault. When the weight of the world was on him, we find that he did not try to bear it himself. Immediately in the midst of that circumstance, he turned his burden over to the Lord. He turned all of that pressure all of, the, all of those threatenings over to the Lord and he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You see, David refused to try to carry it all himself because he knew he couldn't do it. He was a man that learned to find strength in giving his burdens to the Lord because he knew he couldn't handle them all on his own. And David had learned something about the Lord his God throughout his life. See, David had learned that the Lord his God was a powerful God. The Lord his God was the God who as a young boy had allowed him to overtake a bear 
and to take out a lion. And as a young man, he was the God who had allowed him to conquer the giant Goliath. And it was the same God who had delivered him out of all the trials that he had faced, all the battles that he had faced. And he knew something about the Lord his God. He knew the Lord his God was a powerful God. And not only did he know the Lord his God was a powerful God, but he knew the Lord his God was a present God. He knew that God was there for him in every circumstance that he had faced. He wrote in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He knew his God was a powerful God, a, a present God. He knew the Lord his God was a personal God. See, notice what he said in verse 6. He said, but the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord, what? His God. His God. See, in Psalm chapter 63 and verse 1, David said, Lord, uh, uh, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. And David knew that the Lord was his personal God. He wasn't a God of someone else, a God that was distant or far off. He knew that God was a God who was there for him. And David encouraged himself in the Lord that he'd come to know. In the Lord, his God, the God he knew was going to take care of him. Let me tell you this morning, when you feel like the whole world is trying to put you down with all the circumstances that are being thrown in your life, you just need to stop and think about who God is for you. Who God is in Himself. You see, He's the one who cares about you more deeply than anybody else ever could. Your God is the one who's working everything out in your life together for His glory and for your own good. He's the God who cares about all of the pressures and the burdens that you're facing. He listens when you pray and when you call out to Him. And it's no wonder the Bible tells us in 1 Peter to cast all of our care upon Him because He cares for us. Don't forget who the Lord, your God, is here this morning. And even in the most difficult circumstances that you might face in life, your source of strength is always going to remain the same. If you depend on yourself, you'll always come up short. But when you learn to find strength, to encourage yourself in the Lord, your God, you'll find more strength than what you would ever find any other way. And you'll find the strength you need to face what you're going through. The psalmist said in Psalm 28 and verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I will praise Him. And so when the whole world seems to try to be putting you down, find your strength. Encourage yourself in the Lord your God. We find, first of all, you can encourage yourself in the person of God. Oh, but it didn't stop there for David. Notice this, the second way you can encourage yourself in the Lord Encourage yourself in the presence of God. In the presence of God. Look at verse 7 with me. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. The Bible says in verse 7, And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? See, the Bible tells us here that in the midst of, of this difficult circumstance that David found himself going through, he made a decision to seek the presence of God and to seek the Lord in the midst of his situation. The Bible says he asked the priest to come and bring the ephod. Now, in the Old Testament times, there was a, there was a way that people would approach the Lord. And they had to go to a priest and they would use this ephod that, was, that had uh, two different things in it, Urim and Thummim. And that these were, these were all symbolic things. And, and by going to the priest through the ephod, a person could approach the Lord to seek God's counsel for a particular situation. 
And so in the middle of, of his circumstance, David didn't choose to quit. He didn't choose to pack up. He said, I need to go talk to God. I need to find out what God would have me to do in this situation right here. Hey, now thank the Lord as believers today. We don't have to go to a priest and we don't have to go through, a, through an ephod to be able to approach God. I thought it was pretty funny. I, I read something recently uh, with all of this COVID-19 things happening. Uh, the, the Catholic Pope came out and he suggested something to all of the Catholics uh, during this time period. He suggested, uh, instead of going through a priest, just bring your prayers directly to God. <laughs> well, that's a novel idea. Uh, that's what the Bible teaches anyways. Uh, <laughs> there's people all lost in these kinds of things right now, but I just got a big kick out of that. But I'm glad because of the fittest work of Jesus Christ, because he died and shed his blood on the cross, and he applied his blood to atone for our sins. You and I, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, can now come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And friend, I don't have to go through anybody else as a believer in Jesus Christ. I can bring my burden right to the Lord and leave it there. And David, in his moment of struggle here, in this situation he was going to, he learned to bring his burden to the Lord, and he encouraged himself in the presence of the Lord. I'll tell you something. There's, there, there are many times when I've gone through something in my life where it just seemed like nothing I did could ease my heart about it until I got on my knees and brought it to the Lord. And just because I brought it to the Lord doesn't mean the problem resolved itself but I got up with strength that I didn't know I had in just spending some time with the Lord. Encourage yourself in the person of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. But there's another way we find David encouraged himself and that you and I must encourage ourselves too in our times of trouble, and that is this, encourage yourself in the promises of God. In the promises of God. And look at verse number 8. Because in verse number 8, we already read the beginning of the verse, we find that the Bible says David inquired at the Lord, when he inquired and when he brought his burden to the Lord, the Bible says that God answered. Look at the end of verse 8. The Bible says that, uh, that the Lord answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Hey, David left that time with the Lord encouraged because he had gotten an answer from the Lord. And I love it when the Lord makes, gives a very clear answer to something I've been seeking him about. And David, okay, he was able to, to rise up from, from that situation with the promise of God, hey, that he was going to be able to go on. That he was not only going to be able to go on, but he was going to recover all the things that he had lost. And boy, David stood up from that moment in, in full faith and confidence in the answer that God had given him. And he found strength when there was nobody else to encourage him. He found strength in the Lord by standing on the promises of God, by choosing to trust the word that God had said to him. And let me tell you, in the midst of the most discouraging times of our lives, we must, we must learn to stand on the promises of God. Sometimes there's nothing else to stand on. But friend, when you're standing on the promises of God, you can know your foot has found a solid resting place that cannot be taken out from under you. That's how sure the promises of God are for us. What do I mean, what do you, what do I mean when I say stand on the promises of God? I'm talking about putting your faith putting your trust in what God's Word says. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And it's when you hear the promises of God's Word and you apply it to your situation that you can stand boldly knowing that God is going to see you through. I'll tell you, the promises of God, they're written for us in the Word of God. 
That's what builds our faith in the promises of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us that in God's word are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. There's a man, I believe his name was Herbert Locker. He wrote a book called All the Promises of the Bible. You know how many promises from God's word he listed in that book? Over 8,000. And Herbert Locker said he didn't even think he scratched the surface of how many there really are. Friend, the truth of the matter is, whatever you're facing today, there's a promise in God's Word to help you. There's a promise in God's Word that you can stand on to sustain you, give you strength in the middle of your circumstance. And I love this. When your circumstance is over your head, it's still under His feet. God's still in control. You can stand on the promises of God. They're more reliable than any other person's word, any other, uh, more reliable than a job, more reliable than this crisis being abated. Hey, God's word is where you can stand today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. And so when you feel like the whole world is putting you down, Everything's come crashing around you. How do you find the ability to get back up? Encourage yourself in the Lord, in the person of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, and in the promises of God's Word. Number one, encourage yourself in the Lord. Hey, do you need to take some time to encourage yourself in the Lord today? In the middle of your circumstance, have you been trying to carry it all yourself? I'll tell you how you can find the strength you need to go on. Bring it to God. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Now there's a second way that we find demonstrated in the life of David here. That you can pick yourself up when the whole world seems to put you down. Number one, encourage yourself in the Lord. But number two, write this down. Engage yourself in the labor. We'll talk about this more in a minute as we, tell this, as we continue on in the passage. But engage yourself in the labor. Now imagine with me. If David had had the same attitude that his 600 men had had. Imagine if he'd just thrown in the towel and given in to the depths of despair instead of turning to the Lord. Well, that, that would have been the end of David's story as we know it. But instead, David chose to encourage himself in the Lord. And when he got a promise from God that God was going to see him through and help him recover all, the Bible says that David got up and he didn't just get up with hope. But David began to tell his men what God had told him. And guess what? It encouraged them too. And then together, they were able to move forward in the way that God had them to go. And here's the wonderful thing about it. As they began to make the decision to move forward, guess what God did? God gave them everything that they needed to be able to move forward. See, God, God provided everything that they needed. No, all the men had different needs, but God provided everything they needed to be able to move forward in the plan that God had for them. And let me tell you that if you'll, like David, choose to encourage yourself in the Lord today and, and stop sitting down in the dumps and, and feeling like, well, I, there's nothing I can do to change my situation. If you'll make a choice to put your faith in the Lord today and get up and keep going on, I'll tell you, God will also give you everything you need to be able to do so notice this we see this in the life of david first of all here god will give you the rest you need write that down god will give you the rest you need the bible says in verse number 10 or verse number 9 so david went 
he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men with him. For 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. David and his men, remember, they just come from a battle. There were some of them that were just plumb wore out. They were tired. And the whole idea, even though it was their families they were fighting for, the whole idea of going and fighting another battle to get their families back overwhelmed them. They couldn't go on, the Bible says. They were so worn out. And so the Bible says that they came to this brook, the brook Besor. You know what the name Besor means in Hebrew? It literally means cheerful. It means good news. It means glad tidings. Now, sometimes I've heard people talk about this particular incident here in a negative context. Well, these guys were weaklings. They didn't, they didn't have the strength to go on. But, you know, that's not how the Lord looked at them. And that's not how David looked at them either. Later on in verse number 24, I believe it is, David said there, As is his part that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. And after the battle was all over and God had given them victory, David told the 400 men that went with him, they were going to have the same amount of spoil that the men who had stayed behind and needed rest were going to get. See, David didn't view them differently. And here's the thing I want to bring out of this because I believe it's so important for us to understand. It's okay to get tired. It's okay to need a break. It's okay to need to stop for just a little bit and get some rest when you're getting weary in the work of the Lord. It's okay to get to that type of place. And David made that clear in the scripture here as well. But here's what I'll say. You may need to reduce your activity in the work of the Lord, but you ought never to reduce your attention to depending upon the Lord. Whether it's a time of rest or at the time of labor. See, Jesus told us where we can find our place of rest. Our brook basor. You know where it is? It's in Him. Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. I'm glad even in the midst of all the crazy circumstances that are happening in our life that God has created a place of rest for us to be able to go to a brook basor for us to be able to find some rest in. It's in Him, Jesus Christ, our Savior. I'll tell you what, that is good news. That is Basor. That's the gospel right there. We no longer have to take it all on ourselves. But hey, as we get up to go on, it's not all on our backs anymore. Now we're in the yoke with Jesus and we can find a place of rest even in moving forward in difficult circumstances when we are resting and depending upon the Lord. And so He will give you the rest that you need. But notice this secondly here. God will give you the resources you need. He'll give you the resources you need. Now look down at your Bible at verse number 11. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. The Bible says in verse 11, And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat. And they made him drink water. And he gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days agone I fell sick. 
We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belonged to Judah and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag, remember that's where David and his men used to live, with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear to me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hand of my master, and I'll bring thee down to this company. When he had brought them down, behold, they were spread abroad upon the earth, uh, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. Now get this. After David and his men had encouraged themselves in the Lord and made the decision to put their trust in God and what God had said, he was going to recover all for them. They chose to get up and start walking. They didn't know where their enemies were. I'm sure they were going to try to track them down. But wouldn't you know it, as they began to get up and walk by faith, God crossed their path with the exact person, the only person in the world at that time that could help lead them right where they needed to go, this Egyptian. And they fed him. They gave him something to drink. When he had recovered his strength, he led them right where they needed to go to get them through that circumstance that they were facing. See, God gave them every resource that they needed to move forward in His plan that He had for their life simply because they chose to put their faith in God's ability to lead them forward. And let me tell you something. If you will just trust God in your situation today, you may not know how, you may not know when, you, 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 you may not be able to fathom how God's going to do it. But the thing is, you can put your confidence in the fact that if you're trusting in the Lord, God will put everything at your disposal to help lead you to the place that he is wanting to bring you to so often we want to try to orchestrate all the circumstances ourselves and we want to try to find a way to work it out ourselves when we when if we would just trust the lord in our situation even when it seems like the whole world's caving in on us if we just trust the lord and stand still and let god work and let god show us the way god has a lot better of a way of working things out than what we're able to fabricate for ourselves. See, the Bible says in Matthew 6, verse number 33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, all these needs that you have in your life, they'll be added unto you. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Friend, God, if you'll put your faith in Him and start taking a step forward in the way that He's leading you to go, God will give you the rest you need. He'll give you the resources you need. But I want you to notice this as well. God will give you today the recovery you need. The recovery you need. Look at verse number 17. The Bible says in verse 17 that David smote them. These are the Amalekites that had captured his family. David smote them from the twilight even until the evening of the next day. Now that's a whole lot of smiting right there. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. I like circling that word, all. He recovered all. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither great nor small, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. Read the last three words of verse 19 with me. David recovered all. God will give you the recovery you need. You see here, after these men... They were encouraging the Lord and they'd made the decision by faith to move forward in the way that God wanted them to go. They'd gotten the strength they needed from the Lord. God gave them the strength to get up and fight and recover everything and more that had been taken away from them. And let me just tell you something. Sometimes in your life, 
you'll get knocked down. Sometimes the circumstances of your life will sweep you off your feet, especially when you come to that moment when you feel like the whole world is crashing down around you. Here's the thing. You get knocked down, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. Imagine if David and his men just stayed back in Ziklag and, and wasted the rest of their life away in grief. No, instead they chose to make a decision of faith to get back up, to go on, and God brought them to a place of great victory. And I'll tell you, if you turn to the Lord in the middle of your situation, He'll give you the strength that you need to get up and to go on in the way that He wants you to go. The Bible says in Psalm 37 and verse 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighted in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I'm glad, even when I fall, that I don't have to be utterly cast down, because the Lord upholds me with His hand. You see, in God's economy, there is never a failure that has to be final. God can restore us from any difficulty, any situation that we find ourselves in. God has given us no excuse not to get back up when we get knocked down. No excuse. You may be defeated. You may be discouraged. You may be dejected. You may feel a whole world's against you today, that God's forsaken you today. And I'm telling you something, God hasn't forsaken you. God wants to help you in your situation. If you'll turn to Him in faith today, He can lead you to a victory. And I'll say to you, if you refuse to get back up, it's because you're trying to depend on yourself and not depend on the Lord. See, the Bible tells us that in our weak moments, that's when God can show Himself the strongest on our behalf. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, For He has said, uh, uh, My strength is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for thee. Trust in that grace of God is sufficient for your circumstance. I don't care what it is that you're going through. I want you to notice something again before we move on here. At the end of verse 19, will you read the last three words of verse 19 again with me? Let's read those together. Ready? Begin. David recovered all. He recovered all. See, God did not just allow him to recover some of what they lost, but there wasn't a thing that they lost in that trial that they didn't recover. Not a thing. In the situation you might be going through today, you listen to me, you may have lost some things. Some of you, in the middle of your trial, you may have lost your marriage, you think. Can I tell you something? God can restore your marriage. You may have lost your family, you feel like. God can restore you your family. You may have lost some finances. You may have feel like you've lost your faith. Maybe you've reacted wrongly to this whole thing and you feel like you've lost your testimony in your workplace or uh, in your church family or in, your, in whatever the venue it might be. But I'm going to tell you something. In the middle of your situation, you have not gone too far for God to be able to give you a full recovery today. David recovered all. So don't resign yourself to this mindset that because of your past, you'll never be able to have what you could have had. God can give you everything and more if you would be willing to trust Him in the middle of your situation. And so when the whole world seems to put you down, how can you get picked back up? Encourage yourself in the Lord and engage yourself then by faith back in the labor, the work that God has for you. 
there's a final way the Bible tells us we can be picked up by the Lord when the whole world puts us down. And that is this. Write this down. Enrich others with your liberality. Number three, enrich others with your liberality. Now when the dust settled and the battle was over, the Bible tells us that David had recovered all. It's not, just, it's not only that though. David didn't just get back all David and his men didn't just get back all the things that they had before this all took place. Guess what else they got? Now they got all the spoil of their enemies as well. God gave them a blessing with interest. They, 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 had, they had more than what they had ever had before. And God had blessed them abundantly in all these things. And guess what David led his men to do? I'll tell you what he didn't lead his men to do. To keep it all for themselves. In the middle of their trial, God blessed them with a great victory and with great spoil from the battle. The Bible tells us that David led his men to share those blessings with the people that are around him. You listen to this statement right here. I believe that God will bless the man he knows will use God's blessings to be a blessing to someone else. I believe that's one of the, one of the ways that God works. You see, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that God will give comfort to those who will be willing to use the comfort God gives to them to comfort others. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8 that God's able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, having all sufficiency in all things, might abound to every good work. God, God brings blessings into our life, not for us to hoard those things to ourselves, but so that we can take what God gives us and in the midst of our trials and in the midst of the circumstances that we go through in life and use what God has given us to bless someone else. That's exactly through the rest of this chapter what we see David uh, leading his men to do and what we see David doing himself. He was blessed by God through the midst of his trial and he used the blessing God gave him to be a blessing to the people around him. Hey, he used the riches God gave him to enrich the people who were around him. I want you to notice the people that he, that he gave these blessings to before we're done. First, I want you to notice, because these are the same types of ways that we ought to share the blessings God gives to us. First, notice this, enrich your family. Enrich your family. Verse number 20, look at it with me. The Bible says that David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle. And he said, this is David's spoil. David, David looked at all the things that they had gotten from the battle, and he said, you know what? That stuff's going to be mine right there. That sounds a little bit selfish, but I'll tell you what. One of the first things that David took the time and attention to, to focus on here, the first thing that he was looking out for was his own family. Was his own family. And every, every man in this battle, the Bible tells us here, they were entitled, entitled to take some of the spoil for whatever purpose they wanted to use it for. And David said, I'm going I'm to take this spoil, and this spoil is going to be for my family. And let me just tell you this this morning. There's nothing wrong with you taking time to enjoy the blessings that God has poured out in your life. There's nothing wrong with it. See, I, I like what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 24. It says, there is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. Can I encourage you with something this morning? Take time to enjoy life. Especially in circumstances like what we're going through. My tendency is to want to work harder. It's, it's, and, and there's nothing wrong with working. Don't, get, don't mistake what I'm saying here. But 
Uh, Emily could testify to this just, just, just probably as well as anybody else. When things like this happen, what, what happens is there's an absentee husband and an absentee daddy. And I tell you what, that's not right. And boy, God spoke to my heart about this this last week. This part I'm just preaching to myself. You all just can tune in for this, okay? Boy, God convicted my heart about it this past Friday. And boy, there were tons of phone calls. I needed to call people back, text messages I hadn't answered. There was, there was tons of tasks that still needed to be done, but I put the phone down. I put everything else away, and I played with my daughters. I spent some time with my wife. We sanded a bench together. It was fantastic. Okay, that wasn't the best, but it was good spending time with her. <laughs> I even picked up a mandolin, and I started learning how to play the mandolin. I hadn't done something like that in a long time. I'll tell you what. Just take time to enjoy life. God's blessed me. I've got a beautiful wife, wonderful, wonderful kids. Shame on me. I don't take the time to enjoy what God's blessed me with. And friend, God's blessed you too. David, after God gave him this great victory, he just took a minute to enjoy what God had blessed him with. That's okay. Enrich your family. Here's the second thing I'd say. Enrich the feeble. Enrich the feeble. Now, we're running out of time, but I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse 21. If you're still with me, say amen. Amen. The Bible says, And David came to the 200 men which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had uh, made also to abide at the brook Basor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to to the people, he saluted them. Here's what happened. They came to this group that back. Remember that? These 200 men that were too faint to go on. And the 400... What David said, I, they don't get any of this. We, we won this spoil. They, they didn't do any of this. We're the one that fought the battle. We get the spoil. And they began to try to say these things. The Bible tells us in verse number 24 that David told to them, who's going to hearken to you in this matter? But as his, is his part that goes down to the battle, so shall be his part that tarrieth by the stuff they shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. Listen, David, he didn't choose to hoard all the things that God had blessed him with in this great victory to himself or just to the men who had, who had gotten possession of them. He chose to share the blessings God had given them with the other people whom God had not, not, not given those blessings to. He chose to share the blessings of God with the people who were around him, the people who weren't as fortunate as them. Let me just say, when God saves us, He changes our perspective, He changes our heart, He changes us from the inside out. And part of that change is we no longer work just for ourselves, just to get gain for ourselves. Now, as we labor and God blesses us, now we, we, we have the mindset and perspective of wanting to share God's blessings with those who don't have it. The Bible talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. It says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man. It goes on to say and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then it goes on and tells about several outflowings of this change of identity. In verse number 28, it specifically says, Let him that stole... Steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands that thing which is good. Read the last part of that if you see it there. That he may have to give to him that need. When God blesses you, you understand, 
part of the reason God may be blessing you is so that you can help somebody else who is in need right now? Let me just challenge you with something. Open up your eyes. If you would just look around you, there are people all around you who are hurting. I say, well, the people come to me and say, well, pastor, no, no, nobody ever approaches me and says they need anything. You know, we're American people, and probably, probably the people who are in need have enough pride in themselves maybe not to admit that they are in need. Well, maybe they don't want to inconvenience anybody else. What I've found is that many times people who are in need, they think of somebody else who is in more need than them. And they don't, and they don't want to ask for help because they know there's always somebody else who's hurting worse than them. Friend, the point is, if God's blessed you, it ought to be a fun thing for you. Hey, uh, God loves a cheerful giver, the Bible says. It'll be a fun thing for you to take God's blessing and find a way to be, be a blessing to someone else who hasn't necessarily been as blessed as what God has blessed you. You can bless someone else by giving from what God has given to you to be a blessing to them. Enrich the feeble. Enrich your family. But notice this as well. David didn't just enrich his family and the feeble men that they left behind. But the third thing you can write down here is enrich your friends. Enrich your friends. The Bible tells us in verse 26, that when David came to Ziklag, now he's brought his men back home, he sent of the unto the elder of Judah, even to who? His friends. His friends. Saying, Behold, a present for you, of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. David took what God had blessed him with and he sent gifts to the people who in his past had been a blessing to him, to his friends. The Bible goes through the rest of the chapter and names all of these different people that he sent a, a, a blessing of the spoil from the battle to. All of these different people. You know, the Bible says a man that has friends ought to show himself friendly. And I was thinking about this this week. If God's blessed you with something, hey, we, ought, we, we ought to take from God's blessing and help those who are legitimately in need, and I don't belittle that fact right there. But sometimes God may put it on your heart to use what God's blessed you with just to be an encouragement to a friend. You know, right now, in particular, I, I, I called our sheriff this past week. And I, one of the things I asked our sheriff was how, how, how his men were doing, how, how his men and women were doing. Our, our law enforcement. One of the things he told me, and I was asking him what we could do to try to be a blessing to them, and what he told me was, he said, he said Pastor Bruce, just, just take whatever you guys have and, and let's get it to the people that really need it right now. Amen. I love his heartbeat on that. But I told him, you know, part of me still wants to do something. You may not feel like you're legitimately in need, but you guys are putting yourself on the line every day for us to do something just to be a blessing to you. You know, we've got law enforcement. We've got doctors and nurses right now who are serving on the front line, grocery